Okay, everybody, welcome back to ISCO Insights. My name is Will Vodak. We are here in the PCUSA studio down below us. It's a pretty impressive facility, Gary. This is quite nice, Will. I got to say, I'm, you know, I'm all felt for ISCO, but uh, this is pretty cool. We got to step it up a notch here. So Absolutely. excited to be here today to talk to you all about HDPE Fusion. We're going to keep it at a real high level. We want to make sure you guys that are out there that may or may not know what HDPE fusion is or what butt fusion is or electrofusion or sidewall, any of that, uh, we want to make sure that you guys have an opportunity today to see the process live in person. So we're counting on you, man. A lot of pressure. It is, it I is. I can do it. Let's get into the quick instructions here before we begin. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. All your video and audio is turned off. That is to enhance our quality and uh, to minimize distractions there. So if you're sitting at home uh, in your PJs, don't worry about it. Uh, for feedback or troubleshooting on the Zoom platform, go ahead and use the chat box. We'd be happy to uh, address anything that we can to the best of our ability uh, in the chat box for Zoom technical troubleshooting. So go ahead and leave that there. Most importantly, uh, the Q&A tab there down below, you'll see the Q&A box. Click that because you're going to have a ton of questions. We've got uh, our good friends, uh, Jeremy Becker and Timmy Tipton in studio, two of the smartest guys in the industry ready to answer uh, your questions in real time. So go ahead and ask those via the Q&A tab, and we will do our best to answer them. Uh, as I've said, my name is Will Vodak. Uh, been at ISCO here now for a while, and not as long as Gary Bouvet. Uh, Gary, uh, I'd like to always introduce the, you by saying, who are you, what do you do, and why should people listen to you? Well, my name is Gary Bouvet. For those who don't know me, I've been with ISCO Industries 26 years, Will. Uh, that close yeah, to close. As long as close. you've been alive, Maybe Barrett, right? right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've been in the industry over 30 years. Great. Uh, so a lot of experience all around the world talking about the very things that we talk about: HDPE pipe and fusion. Fantastic. And uh, this is a big day. We get to do a fusion demonstration live. How's it feel doing your? One millionth fusion. Oh, I love it. Are you Dennis? nervous? I'm never, never nervous, yeah. Will, yeah. right? Okay. Okay. It's, yeah, okay. Yeah. What, 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 what could go wrong? <laughs> Let's pull up that presentation again. Uh, today, we're talking all about fusion. This is HDPE fusion, um, and we, we, com we commonly get a lot of questions. If you're anything like me, before I got into this industry, I didn't think about pipe. I didn't know where water <laughs> came from. I just assumed when you turn on that faucet, it just automatically comes right to there. you. Yeah. What I didn't know was how crazy the traditional means and methods of joining pipe is. We are essentially taking bell and spigot mechanical joints and trusting that over millions of miles or however many miles there are throughout the United States of pipeline that we're going to have no failures. Um, and why don't you tell us a little bit more about these, 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 these methods here. If we could pull that image back up so we could talk a little bit about that bell and spigot uh, and how that looks, Gary. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, bell and spigot, it's a mechanical, as you mentioned. You, you have a, a male end going into the bell end or the female, some people call it the female end. Push those two together, and you're totally depending upon that gasket in there to provide your total sealing mechanism right. for the pipe system. Um, has limited deflection uh, with that pipe, so if you get outside a 3% deflection, you probably have a leak on your piping system. So what you're saying here is if something happens to one pipe, it's not going to happen to the other. So if that pipe gets pushed out of the way, um, there might be a disconnect then in, in those joints. might be a disconnect right. there. Your gasket, your O-ring gasket there could get cut. It could be damaged, sure. uh, which provides part of your sealing mechanism. So a lot of things, uh, depending upon 
that staying together. It seems like a lot of potential areas for failure. A lot of pitfalls there, Will. Sure. So let's move on now to some of the challenges associated with this. Um, And you can see here what does happen when, unfortunately, these these joints get pulled apart or a failure does occur. Yeah, sometimes it's the pipe that's failing. I think in one of the pictures there, you see a crack or a split in the pipe. And we all know, you know, some of those best locators, you know, that guy in a backhoe who starts digging and decides to find that pipe, um, puts a hole in the pipe, or uh, you have a failure on a joint or a gasket there, and it's in the middle of a road, and we get a leak that we're seeing, that we see here. And these don't commonly happen from 8 to 4, Monday through Friday. No. Right? 4th of July, Friday. 4th of July, Christmas Eve, right? right, 2 a.m. Sure. Yeah, that's when we find out that we've got a real problem. So what I see here, Gary, is a couple of, number one, there's a safety concern, right? right? When this happens, people can get hurt um, through flooding, through barriers with the road. I've heard of pipes rupturing and motorcycles going over them and them flying off the motorcycles. Right. You know, the other thing there, not only from a safety standpoint, but you're losing everything that you're working towards here. You're losing towards capturing 100% of your media transported through that pipeline, um, and it's a loss of water. We can't really afford that right now. Right. It's very scarce, uh, particularly if you go into some of these areas out west. That uh, Up until recently, water is a very critical uh, resource for them. Very much so. Yeah. Last but certainly not least, just the disruption of daily life that I see happening yeah. out of this. Yeah. I mean, how many times are you going down... I swear Main Street has been under construction now for a year and a half uh, with a new paving crew every single day, um, you know, because there's challenges that pop up after installation time and time again. So we think that there might be a solution to this. We think? I I think there's a solution to this. So um, let's go ahead and talk about what fusion is, Gary. Um, we've got, uh, I thought we had a slide here on HDPE, but, but maybe not. Let's go ahead and, and start, which is a quick poll question here, on how confident are you to use the fusion process? Um, if our audience could take a moment to, a- to answer, you know, are, there, are they really excited about using it? Are, we don't have any projects coming up or not likely at all. We hope we just try to get a good understanding of where people are in today's presentation. And it's looking like most people are, are pretty darn confident. Well, that's good. That means they've, some people have had some experience in, in the whole process. Right. And, you know, you were, you were talking about, we should briefly just mention what, you know, polyethylene, sure. right? The leak-free. Uh, Here it is, Gary. It's a little bit late. That's okay. my bad. That's no worries. Let's go into what HDPE yeah. is. So before we talk about fusion, what, what, what is HDPE as a solution? Yeah, it's a thermoplastic piping system. Um, it's creates and when we uh, the benefits of polyethylene um, are that it's the way that it's joined first and foremost and we're going to really dive into that a little bit deeper Um, but the ability the uh, pipe itself to be very flexible um, to uh, be very corrosion resistant some of those failures simply occur because of life expectancy exceeded on the, the pipes that are underground corrosion you get tuberculation, you get buildup on the pipe, so your flows get reduced. Uh, any number of things, all of those are eliminated with polyethylene because of the, the benefits and the characteristics of the HDPE itself. A- a- absolutely. And, and we're going to talk about fusion a- a- as, a, as a, you know, an opportunity to 
really be the solution here, but let's talk more a little bit about the performance characteristics of HDPE um, and, and why we think it's such a good fit for so many different applications. Right. I mean, you've got a wide temperature range, uh, minus 40 to 140. Doesn't impact getting colder, doesn't impact HDPE pipe like it does uh, other uh, plastics that might be out, like PVC. Uh, you have burst strength of four times the working pressure. Uh, that's a substantial safety net uh, associated if you get a surge event on your piping system. We're not having to worry about derating the pipe because of surge. The hydraulic efficiency, we mentioned tuberculation buildup, the scaling that occurs on metal pipes. All the, all, it, and, it, and from day one to day yeah. last day, it's going to yeah. be the same. It's going to be the same, yeah. That, on those metal pipes, it's a natural occurrence, can't avoid it. Um, and you have all your AWWA, NSF, all the necessary approvals for whatever application uh, that you might be looking at when you're moving you know, liquids and water through a piping system. Some of the physical characteristics, lightweight, about a third of the weight of the ductile iron pipe. The flexibility, bend radius of about 25 times the outside diameter. You can see it in that picture there, Will, how tight that pipe is bent around just getting set up for an installation. You couldn't do that with the other materials. UV protection, it's black in color, that prevents any degradation on the pipe being when it's exposed to sunlight. Fatigue and surge tolerance, we've talked about the surge capabilities, the impact durability, the seismic flexibility, right? We're hearing, you know, seeing the earth move more and more, earthquakes, uh, ground shifts, all those types of things with these. Uh, Even this, when droughts occur, and right, I mean, just, that just pushing moving, on that pipe, right? Pushing on that pipe, right? When we put this together, that fusion provides one continuous piece of pipe. Right. So you don't have any joints to come apart. So this image is great because it does cover, you know, a very creative use of install. I, there's not many other piping materials that could handle. None. I mean, this is, you know, this could be a thousand foot long stretch of pipe that is being creatively installed uh, into what looks like more of a trenchless application. Right. Um, a couple of questions that we're getting. Um, first, a very important question. James Johnson is asking if we discontinued those shirts that we wore a couple, <laughs> a couple months back. Unfortunately, James, I had that pulled away from me, so we do not have access to those shirts anymore. I'm, I'm terribly disappointed, but I'm glad you're taking note of our wardrobe here. On a serious note, David uh, Albers is asking, when talking about temperature range, how does that correlate expansion and contraction, Gary? You want to touch briefly? We hear that all the time. Yeah, polyethylene. And when we talk about expansion and contraction, it's all based on, on temperature. And uh, so when that pipe can expand, if it's above ground, that's when we see that, that thermal coefficient in place, right? That 110, 100 type, sure. of, right? When we're buried, if it's buried, once it's buried, you've got the, the soils, the, the earth loading on it. Expansion and contraction is a non-factor right. uh, for underground. It really comes into play if you're dealing with an above-ground application. You just want to make sure that we can keep it in place because it will snake around. Yes, it's going to move around, but the force of that movement is just not that it's strong. It's very low. Right. Exactly. So, yep. so keep, keep answering or asking the great questions. Last one, uh, June Key is asking, uh, since HDP is non-toxic and non-tasting, can we use it for potable water? And it's used daily in potable Absolutely. water applications. Absolutely. We have all the C900. 906 NSF approvals on HDPE pipe. Yeah. So, yes. I think the question floodgate has opened. 
please submit them. Timmy and Jeremy are standing by ready to take your questions. Let's go back now. So we've spoken about HDPE as a solution, right? This is a flexible, long-lasting, non-corrosive, uh, uh, you know, chemically resistant piping material. Right. That all sounds great. But it doesn't matter if we're putting this together the same way other materials are, right. Gary. Right. But we're going to do things a little bit differently here. Um, and, the, and the first being is we need to talk about HDPE fusion. So what is fusion? You said earlier, have you ever looked at, at a dictionary? <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> but why don't you tell me what the definition of fusion yeah, is? Yeah, so if you look at Webster's Dictionary, well, it's a great book. Is it? You, okay. Yeah, I mean, anytime I'll, you need I'll to know what a word is. Yeah. Right. All right. You must have the first edition of it. <laughs> I think I helped write it. Um, it's occurrence of involving a production of a union, right? We're joining together. Uh, the state of being combined into one body. Kind of what we're doing with pipe. When right. we fuse it together, we're taking two pieces and making it one. And the act of melting together. Well, it's exactly what we're doing because we're actually putting a hot heater in between two pipe ends and melting those pipes together and then pushing them together into one piece. Yeah. So we now take two, make it one. If we do a thousand foot, it's one thousand foot piece of pipe. So you've got to stick a pipe there. Yep. I've got mine here. Yep. We're going to get these together. They're still separate entities though. Right what now. you're saying is fusion. We're going to make, so let's say I got 50 feet on my side. Yep. 50 feet on your side. Yep. Now we got a hundred foot long pipeline. Exactly. So if I keep doing that over and over and over again, I could have a five-mile continuous piece of pipe. It's one piece of pipe. It functions and moves as one piece of pipe. That's incredible. Yep. So that's, that's the neat thing about the fusion process. Right. So we've got uh, a, a brief little analogy here, right? So multiple pieces of ice. Yep. When I go late at night into the freezer digging for that Trader Joe's mint ice cream, <laughs> it's delicious, by the way. Uh, if they want to sponsor the program, go yeah. for it. Uh, I got to get past the ice bin. These, a similar process here. Why don't you walk us through this analogy? Yeah, so we got multiple pieces of ice. If we were to take the, those ice cubes, put them out on the table, if we put them outside on the sidewalk today, well, I think they'd melt in about, you know, 30 seconds. But uh, on your table, they'll slowly melt over time, basically making a puddle, sure. right? Sure, right on your On your countertop. If you were able to collect that puddle, it's now gone from a cube shape into just a blob, right? Right. We take that blob, if we were able to put it all in, put it back in the freezer, we remelt, we refreeze it into a new piece. We've taken three pieces, Made and it now into it's one. become into one piece. Right. Same, yeah. same, same material, material, same composition. Exactly. Every, everything's the same. Exactly. That's what we're doing with pipe. And so this process works similarly, right? We are heating the pipe up, uh, and you're going to put on your Bill Nye the Science Guy uh, <laughs> outfit here real quick and tell us about what is going on here Try to dumb this down for people like me, Gary, that need well, some help with this. You know, in our science class way back in the day, Will, you know, we learned about molecular structure, huh, you okay. know, atom, you know, all that, all that good stuff. And when pipe is in, this is considered a semi-crystalline state, semi-solid state. Notice how compact and tight all those mo molecules yeah, are together, right. right? But when we heat it up, when you put a heater present to it, all those molecules start moving and dancing around, right? So they spread out, they get wide, and they're constantly flowing. So what we do is we take that heater, we melt that pipe, they'll get those molecules moving, and then we're going to push them together, the two ends, 
Sure. And Leave the, them there. The molecular structure of polyethylene is much like a chain. Sure. Okay? So a bunch of chain links moving around. We push those together and they interlock. They interlock and link. Once it cools back to its semi-crystalline state, solidifies, we've now got the, the chains linked together sure. in the lock. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a really good analogy. Thank you, Will. Um, I pre I'm Glad sure you, you I'm, follow Yeah, that, I could yeah. follow that. Barely, barely. <laughs> so we're going to talk now about the fusion process. Um, but Gary, why don't you go ahead and get set up? I'm ready. And I'm going to go through these butt fusion steps so that we can know what to look for as we're as we're going through this. So, as Gary said, butt fusion is a step-by-step -step process. So what we have here essentially is an easy to follow, so easy that I can do it, Gary can do it, uh, Jeremy, I'm not sure about, but uh, everybody else, yes. Uh, this is like a recipe, if you will, for you know baking or cooking anything. You follow this time and time again, you're going to get uh, you know, good quality results. So the first step here that we're going to be talking about is going ahead and clamping in that pipe. You want to bring that pipe into the machine, making sure that the pipe is not going to slip when you bring that pipe together under pressure. We are going to force some pressure on that. So if those two pipe ends come together at two, 300 PSI, and they slip, that could result in a, in a failed weld. So we want to make sure that those are nice and tight in the machine, they're not going anywhere. The second step is to check alignment. Obviously, you've got you know, a certain amount of pipe. You want it to be coming together evenly and as smoothly as possible. The ASTM F2620, we're going to be mentioning a lot, talks a little bit about different high-low alignment and what you can have uh, out, out of whack with one another, typically about 10% of the wall thickness. So, so we're going to take some steps here, Gary is, to show how that alignment comes together and creates a good weld. Next, we're going to go ahead and face that pipe. This is not uh, a face-off like in a hockey game. This is actually taking and removing uh, some of the contamination, oxidation, or any of the, uh, you know, you've got, you've basically could have some rough edges on the pipe itself. Heating of the pipe. Okay, so we've got essentially a heater that's going to be placed inside that pipe. Um, and it's between 400 and 450 degrees. We want to make sure that that pipe is coming together against that heater plate. And we're going to get, like I said, what Gary said, uh, is mixing those molecules up to get them to that point where they can be put together back under pressure. Finally, we're going to bring that pipe together uh, under a specified amount of pressure uh, to create a fusion. So what we have here is a step-by-step -step process. And coming to you live today in studio is uh, Mr. Gary Bouvet. Before I do that, we're going to talk about cooling a little bit. Uh, I'm sorry, Gary, I got ahead of myself as usual. We're going to go ahead and cool that pipe down, and then finally, at the very end, we're going to inspect it. And we'll talk a little bit about what some of these visual inspections mean. So now, without further ado, Gary, let's talk about fusion, and let's go from a essentially two pipe ends, uh, bringing them into the fusion machine, becoming one. All right, we're ready to roll, Will. So we've got our two pipe ends. We, I took the liberty of getting them cut at our shop ahead of time. You can see some of the ends, not necessarily square and straight and uh, smooth. Uh, so we want to, part of the facing that we'll be doing is removing that and getting it down to mirror images of each other. But the first step, as Will said, is clamping. The clamping is necessary to prevent the pipe from moving while we do the other processes. It also aids in re-rounding the pipe if your pipe happens to be stacked up in a pile and gets uh, out around a little bit. These uh, inserts in the machine and these jaws will help re-round that pipe uh, to get them to line up with each other. 
So when you bring those together, Gary, that looks honestly looks terrible, right? Absolutely. How could that yeah. how could that make a fusion? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know, Barry. Can you zoom in on that when Barry <laughs> when when Gary brings that all together? You can see here that you know the alignment looks good, but there's no way on earth that that could be you know an acceptable weld. We so, can't fuse at exactly. This point. Yeah, we're not so, ready to fuse. So you're we're in we're in step. And step number two here is the face off. We've right. got we've got your facer here, and you're ready to put that through. We're ready to put that in. So this happens to be just an electric powered facer. Now this is part of the manual machine. You mentioned those seven basic steps, Will. Those are all the same, regardless of size of pipe you're doing. Sure. The only thing that changes is the mechanics of how we do each of those seven steps. So it's about to get loud here, Gary, but what, before you start, what are you looking for in terms of um, you know, being able to uh, get a good 90-degree uh, cut? Yeah. So well, you'll, first you'll notice I've got my facer in between the pipe ends, and you'll notice the gap here between my facer body and the actual jaws of the fusion machine. That gap is what I'm going to basically eliminate. That's how much I'm going to take off of each end of each ends of the pipe. Okay. So once I get that completed, I'll basically have mirror images of the two pipe ends. Fantastic. So let's go ahead and, and get Gary's mic off so we can <laughs> we we don't blow the audience's eardrum. But Gary, go ahead and face that off. And as everybody can see, if they can hear me, we're going through full ribbons of HDPE right now. So Gary's going to go all the way to the stops, and you can hear the motor kind of kick into a different gear when he does that. So Gary has faced this off, and we have now what are these shavings here, right? So these are, these are thin layer ribbons of polyethylene, if everybody can see that. We're basically taking a very thin amount of that HDPE uh, off of there. And that's getting those pipe ends to a 90 degree cut, Gary. Yep. Um, and when you bring those together, what's that look like now? Well, I sure hope they line up and look really good, which they do. Fantastic. Yep, there's no gap, there's no daylight in between there. Um, high and low is fairly, really aligned well. You mentioned it, loud 10% being off on your, based on your wall thickness. Sure. Uh, for a high-low. With this, with manual machine, we should never really have a high-low issue because we have the ability to easily uh, tighten. Uh, you never want to, you always want to tighten down the high side. You sure. never want to loosen the low side. You can make micro adjustments there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, again, you're, the, the point is we're bringing these pipe ends into the machine and getting them as clean as possible so that we can make right. a quality weld here. So right. what's the next step, Gary? So we're, we've checked our high-low. Everything looks good. We're actually ready to drop the heater in between the two pipe ends, Will. Fantastic. So Gary is going to get this heater plate into place. Now this heater plate uh, is between 400 and 450 degrees About Fahrenheit. 425 degrees. It based has on a, my thermometer on it, the machine. Yeah, it has a Teflon coating there, Gary. Oh, you want to show that? So you can see the the Teflon coating on the heater, right? And those heater plates are replaceable if they do get scratched or gouged. You can replace just the heater plates, not the entire heater body itself. And you're sticking this right in there between the two pipe right in ends, between, right? So that it can come in contact with all that interfacial pipe area. Exactly. I haven't I haven't brought them together yet, Will. I've just simply set that heater in between the two pipe ends. So I'm going to go ahead and engage my locking mechanism on the machine. Yep. Won't do anything yet, but that'll come into play when I get ready to actually join the two molten ends. 
So now I'm ready to bring the pipe ends together and just make contact. So all I'm doing is basically surface touching both pipe ends to the heater. And we want to uh, zoom in on the heater body itself. You can actually start seeing a melt bead starting to form on both sides of the pipe. Sure, so if everybody's looking to that right side and we're sliding a light in the position here, maybe a little bit further there, you can start to see between that 90 degrees of the green on the right, uh, where it comes in contact with the black pipe uh, at that area, we can see a bead starting to form. So what's happening as HDPE heats up, it, go, it, it, it does grow, Gary, right? It, it, it expands. Well, it just starts to roll, right? Sure. It starts to, starts to swell right there in that area. And polyethylene itself as a, prop, as a material is not a great conductor of heat, so this takes some time. It's not an instantaneous. And there's a couple of things here, Gary, that this varies, this time, the, the, the pressure, all of this varies based on pipe size. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So your, your time is based, the melt time, the ASTM standard says that you melt for uh, four and a half minutes per inch of wall thickness. Right. So in this, we're not quite at an inch of wall thickness. So we're in that two and a half to uh, two, two minutes, 50 second-ish time, time frame for melt. Now, while we're waiting for that, you can really start to see that bead start to form on that right-hand side. Yep. Gary, I notice you're not trying to pull on this to make it heat faster. Can't you, speed the process. Okay, so we are, we are heating this as evenly as slowly with as yep. little pressure as possible. Yeah, if we put pressure on that wheel, what we actually do is we form a concave melt pattern on the pipe. And if we push two concave ends together, what we end up with is basically an air pocket on the inner wall of the pipe, which is the primary area where we need the fusion. Right, and I'd like to also state for, for everybody out there, we are doing a high level fusion demonstration. We are probably skipping a, a couple of steps here or there that you know, in terms of cleanliness and details and times and pressures that are important to understand in a formal training setting. Uh, but for now, we won't really want to just get everybody familiar with the process of what HDPE fusion right. is. So, Scary, it looks like you're getting pretty close there. We're getting there. pretty close, Will. Yeah. yeah. This is the part, this, uh, you know, the step in the process where it's about as fun as watching paint dry. <laughs> but I tell you what, Gary, if you're on a job site, you could be setting up the next joint, yeah. right? I'd have another machine. I'd have my, be myself in place and uh, be ready to go. But we are getting pretty close, Will. So I'm gonna go ahead, I'm ready to open up my jaws. Yeah, and, and before you do that, uh, before you do that, we're gonna notice if you've heated it correctly that the ends are flat. Yep. There's no concave surface area that's kind of caved in on itself uh, where they're, you know, we wanna make sure that those two ends are coming together nice glassy and smooth. Yep. And then, Probably the best part about this process is watching that bead roll back. Exactly. Okay. So we're ready. Cool. All Go right. ahead, Gary. Good luck. So look at that flat glass there. As it's coming together, you can see that bead roll all the way back and touch that pipe. So Gary's putting pressure on it. He's got his locking mechanisms engaged, um, and he's using that brute strength of his to get that uh, HDPE fuse, that bead into place. And that looks pretty darn good, Gary. Um, it looks, did you have any doubts? I, I did not, Gary. I did not. But uh, explain, I mean, that wasn't that hard of a process, is it? It's really not right. that hard, right? right? It sounds, when you start going through all the steps and you start talking, you mentioned the word fusion, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, somebody thinks we're splitting atoms or something when we start talking about fusion. Um, we're not. No. Very simple process. And this was a manual machine. Uh, when we get into the semi-automatic and the automated machines, it really becomes even easier. 
just simply operating a series of levers. So Gary, we had now a time to let this cool down, right? You can't just bring it together and then bail and say, oh, that's probably good enough. No. This is quite an important step yeah, here. Very, very important. Uh, if you don't do that, and well, I can give firsthand uh, testimonial on uh, pipe failures because they prematurely removed the pipe before it's completely cooled. Um, so that is not something you, all the steps you want to follow completely. Uh, per the standard. Now, what about that bead there? I mean, is that, can I go ahead and just knock that off and it'll be fine? Or uh -huh. what, what, there's a lot of questions about the bead. Yeah. Does it that. impact the C factor? Does it have issues with, you know, flow and velocity and all that stuff? Or is that bead just extra pipe material that's kind of on the outside? Right. It's a visual indication that a fusion occurred um, on two pieces of pipe. That outside bead is not necessary to be required, and we do remove it from time to time, particularly when we're looking at uh, slip lining applications where you want to maximize your, uh, your OD of material going inside of another pipe. We've also removed the internal bead on occasion sure. uh, for certain applications so there's no puddling or ponding uh, behind the pipe, uh, behind that pipe bead. But if it's a pressure application, a force main, that fusion bead does not need to be removed. It doesn't have any bearing on the on the C factor or on the, the flow velocities. Everything has been calculated and based on the bead being present. Sure. So we're, we're getting a lot of questions about th this bead here. How do you remove the internal bead? Is there tooling, I assume? Uh, there is tooling. Uh, there are a series of tools that can go in with, uh, with poles on, on the end of the pipe. The typical joints are 40 to 50 foot long. So we can send a cutter head in with a series of rods to go ahead and trim that internal bead uh, while it's still warm, right before we're ready to, to do the next fusion, we would remove that bead. The external bead, again, there's tools available to peel that bead off once we remove it out of the fusion zone. Gary, let's pretend that we're in our uh, time, time warped. Yeah. Uh, here at ISCO, we like to time travel. Um, and we've completed the, the, cool, the full cooldown requirements now. What would you do next here? It looks like you're taking that unit off the pipe. Yeah, I've okay. removed, I've disengaged my locking cam on my fusion machine. Uh, so it allows me to open the jaws, slide that back, and I can remove that, that fusion bead. I'll bring that over, Will, so you can yeah, up close so let's, inspect. Let's, let's, let's look at this here. I don't know where we can get a shot of it here, Gary. But if I'm touching this thing now, Probably still it's, a still, warm. it's still warm. Yep. But, but what are we looking at, right? So you're looking at the visual fusion bead. What we did is we took two molten ends, pushed them together. So basically the inner wall of both of those pipe ends are fused together. That's where that molecular structure I talked about. The bead is just a simple byproduct of the fusion, be of the fusion process. So we've basically got, I don't know if everybody can see this, a V-groove extending not more than half the depth of the pipe. Yep. You're looking for the pipe ends to be completely rolled back, symmetrical all the way around. Gary, I hate to say this, but I think you've passed this joint. You hate to say that? <laughs> Incredible I mean... work. Incredible work. <laughs> wow. So I think the cool part now, Gary, is we've, we, we can repeat that process over and over and over and over again. Right. Um, there are multiple different types of fusion, Gary. You want to touch on, on different types of fusions at all? Yeah, I mean, this is by far the most common method, plain right. end pipe to plain end pipe, but fusion. But there is saddle fusion, so if we're doing uh, branch saddles, uh, with maybe a smaller a lateral coming off of a main, 
if we need to do a T, a, some type of service connection to run off the pipe. Those are all done. Those called brand, you know, side wall fusion. So where we fuse to the outside of the pipe, but very similar process. We're melting a fitting and we're melting the pipe, sure. pushing them together with pressure, creating that fusion weld. No one is better than another? They all have their advantages. Some have limitations on size, um, capacity. Some have limitations on outlet sizes. Right. So, again, that's where ISCO comes in. Our team can help you determine what is the best option. Um, and Sometimes you have multiple options. Sometimes you have one. Sure. So I'd like to move on to a little bit about inspection. Great job, Gary. Congratulations. I'm glad that went off without a hitch here. Um, if we could pull up our presentation again, we do have a quick video that we're going to go over to touch on um, basically the testing process. People are constantly asking about the testing. There are mechanical devices, there are data collecting devices out there that will track uh, what that fusion is. Uh, but from a strength standpoint, Gary, we can talk all day long about the quality assurance and everything like that. Let's just touch on the strength. How strong is that fusion bead compared to that pipe? That joint is as strong or stronger than the pipe itself. Okay. And we're going to show that in this, in this video here. Um, is that your rubber duck? It is. It, it is, okay. yeah. I don't even want to tell everybody its nickname. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that Raider, Raider it, duck? I, I, don't want to, I don't want to bring oh. Mike into this. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> So we basically have our test tank here. Yeah. If we were to take this, this piece of pipe and cap it, uh, one end with an HDPE cap, the other with this flanged assembly to allow uh, some pressure to, to, yeah, to be introduced in there. Yeah, we filled that with water. Right. So we filled the, the chamber with water. Right. And then we put a, a hose on it, air hose, so that we can induce air pressure into it. We are testing now. Right. The, the, the joint, we're going to see what, theoretically, this should fail at the weakest point of the, of the spool. Exactly. Right? Yep. So one would think that doing this fusion process would, would make it maybe slightly weaker. Um, but actually, for reasons that you can probably explain, look at here. This is, this is up. For those that are thinking HDPE is not strong enough, we're at 750 PSI, and I bet you it ruptures right now. There we go. At 800 PSI, four times the burst strength of that 200 operating pressure right. system of DR11. Huge safety factor right. with polyethylene. And let's look at what that looks like. This failure is contained, Gary. It's yes. not split down the length of the pipeline. Yep. It's not going to run until it gets to another joint. Um, it, is in, it is in a contained area, but more importantly, it's not in the fusion zone. Right. It's on the, on the pipe. Right. It's like a balloon right. when it ruptures, right? It, pressure, pressure, pressure weakest point it finally ruptured on the pipe outside of the fusion area so the fusion joint is as strong or stronger than the pipe Correct. itself yep. that's really cool i hope everyone that answers some questions as to the strength of the hdpe and uh, in itself a fusion i bet you if we tested that though that maybe that fusion might be the weakest part of that uh that system there you're really going to go there <laughs> Let's pull that presentation back up, and we'll bring it home here with some, with some options, some standards, some guidelines that the audience can have. Before we do that, I'm being reminded that we should uh, uh, go ahead and pull open another poll question um, just to see if you guys have any upcoming projects where Fusion HDPE would be a good option. Uh, do you have a current or upcoming project that HDP and Fusion could work for an application? Uh, usually, these are overwhelming yes um, it looks like about 78% uh, 
of the uh, 200 that have answered this so far um, have uh, a project, 75% have a project coming up. So awesome. we think there's going to be a lot of fusion there. And we're hoping that, you know, this presentation has informed maybe a little bit of that decision-making process where, you know, this fusion is going to last 100 plus years. Bell and Spigot might, might not. But we think that this would be a really good uh, opportunity for fusion to be introduced into some projects. So, Gary, uh, back to the standards and guidelines. We spoke a little bit about F2620. Mm -hmm. That kind of guides everything. Right. That is the overriding ASTM for the standard practice of, of heat fusion of polyethylene pipe and fittings. Uh, and the ISCO Fusion Manual covers this in great detail. Yeah. So every, everything is tied and linked to F2620. Right. So uh, when we give our pressure charts and we give our step-by-step -step procedure for joining that, it's a great, great manual to have on, on site with you at all times. If you'd like one of those, please get in touch with your local ISCO representative. We'd be happy to get you an electronic copy or a physical copy. Uh, waterproof pages, they're really nice to have. <laughs> Basically, keep them in your pocket at all times. I like to say, so good, even our competitors use it. Um, <laughs> lastly, the McCalc Fusion Calculator. I, I, I use that on my phone sometimes. That kind of comes up with all the different pressures, times, uh, and, and, and variables that you might need. Exactly. Yep, sure does. With, with uh, making sure choosing the right machine, uh, it's going to give you all those times of how long we need to do each of those specific steps. Perfect. Yep. Gary, let's go ahead and uh, answer some questions real quick before getting to kind of bringing this thing home. Um, the bead is only on the outside, Benjamin is asking. Uh, no, Benjamin, that fusion bead, what you see on the outside is a replica on the inside of the pipe. So we have an internal bead and an external bead. Um, and then what happens if I remove the outside and inside bead? Uh, Leonel is asking, are you going to get any degradation in the system? Or No, there's okay. no. the bead does not provide the joint strength. That joint strength is on the inner wall. So again, those, that bead is just a visual representation that a fusion occurred on the pipe. John Delaney is asking, how do you know if Gary didn't push too hard on that pipe material there, Gary? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, with the manual machine, it's usually not too much of a concern. If I had a hydraulic machine where I could generate many, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of, of force, that is something to, to be uh, aware of. With the hydraulic machines, there's the ability to put, Will mentioned it, a data logger on the machine so that you can monitor the forces that you've put on here. Now, with this manual machine, there are, you can use a torque wrench um, yeah. if necessary. Right. I've seen that done in the gas industry sure. to monitor that they're using the exact amount of force that they have determined for that size of pipe that they're fusing. So you still can monitor that force. And, and John, when we talk about standards and pressures, we're talking about a target. This is a target of a range to hit. Um, there is some wiggle room above and below that target um, to be able to, if you miss it somehow, if the machine's acting up a little bit, you're going to be fine. Don't worry, it's going to be okay because th this, is, this is really the goal here is to get to a, a bullseye. But if you hit, you know, uh, right. on the rifle target, you hit an 8-2, that's still acceptable, yeah. right? It's a very forgiving material, it so it, it has a wide, wide range and different standards around the world. They fuse differently, and they all get the same result. 
Joey is asking a good question. Uh, shouldn't the ends be cleaned with alcohol, Gary? Well, that depends. If, if my pipe was cut with a chainsaw, let's say I had some oil present, if my hands, which could be oily, touched the end of the pipe, but I made sure that I didn't touch any of the ends, once I faced off with the facer, that's as clean as it's going to get. Mm -hmm. I think we see we could probably go on in this, and, <laughs> and Timmy is probably going to give me the, the death eye here in a little bit. But <laughs> I, oftentimes, so many people are throwing a bunch of water on it, and then they're putting isopropyl alcohol on it and just trying to drench this thing in different solvents right. to get it clean. I don't know. Sometimes maybe, it, it, you know, we like to clean the pipe if it's dirty with mud, with water first. Right, get that Let off. it dry. And then if there is, you know, if you're suspecting any sort of contaminants, yeah, you might want to use some isopropyl alcohol, 93% or higher. But it's not like you got to douse that thing in ISO yeah. every single time. I mean, this, I pulled this pipe right off our shelf right. out at our yard. So right. I, it wasn't laying in any type of conditions like that. So that's a good question, though. But you always want to follow the requirements that you have for your particular fusion project. Hector Luis is asking a good question. Tell me more about that machine and what other machines are like it. That machine is, I'm not sure exactly what he's looking for, but that machine is what they call a 1-4 machine. Right. So it'll do 1-inch through 4-inch pipe. We can size down by putting in inserts inside the jaws to size down to the, the proper size of pipe sure. within, that, within that range. Um, and it's again, it's a manual machine uh, that, that we have here. Electric facer, electric heater. Uh, so you're going to need a generator to power the uh, power to heat up the heater and power the, the facer. Uh, Joey is asking, I try to ask one of these every single uh, episode to try to stump you. Can you fuse HDP to MDP? Yes, you can, Will. And we spoke about that yes, a couple we weeks, we spoke you, about that you, a couple weeks ago. You can fuse HDP to MDP. That is going on a lot in the gas industry now right. as they kind of transition in certain aspects uh, going to a higher density material. Matt, Matt, thanks for joining us here. Matt Siska, uh, what are the typical recommendations for NDT testing and maybe some things that we like to recommend so that uh, operators, contractors, and, and eventually owners know they're getting a, a quality system? Well, non-destructive testing, um, you do, as we mentioned, have data logger yep. capability that at least monitors the process and the steps. It doesn't guarantee that the joint is proper because if you wiped your pipe ends with an oily rag, uh, data logger's not going to catch that, okay? Uh, but it does eliminate prim primary errors, which is over, you know, not melting enough, uh, using the wrong temperature, using the wrong pressures. Or so the, the operator just missing a step. Exactly. I mean, right. right. It's, yeah. keep, it's keeping you but it on track. But it doesn't know if you faced off or not. Sure. It doesn't, it sure. assumes that you did the facing off. Right. So data logger is not 100%. Uh, but non-destructive testing, uh, there's really not a lot. Most jobs require a hydrostatic test. Yep. Once the pipe is fused and in, the, in place in the system, they're going to want to test all of their connections uh, on that pipeline. That's where you typically get a uh, non-destructive pressure test uh, scenario. Matt, this question comes up a lot, and it's a good one. We're strong advocates of a proper training and certification in combination with data logger reports being analyzed in combination with the final hydrostatic test. Uh, the three of those really, I'm not sure any one of us in this room that can name a project that if three of those have, have been followed that there's been an issue on. Right, exactly. Um, 
So really, you know, you could go down the road of microwave testing. Um, it is extremely expensive on HDPE, and, and we think, the, you know, just making sure you've got guys that are trained, data logger records, and, you, and we can touch on that um, at a later time, which is, you know, you can see a measurable graph right. on those reports. You can analyze whether or not that, that could potentially be a good weld. Right. Um, so there are ways to do that, uh, and we'll get in touch with you about some more of those methods. Um, maybe just a couple more here, Gary. Great questions. Will. Really yeah, good. Great yeah, really good questions. Um, can it, can a uh, how easy it is for a, a municipal crew to add on laterals to that pipe? Uh, very very easy. We talked about uh, sidewall fusion as one method. Uh, you can also put in a uh, reducing T. You can already have the the sidewall fused on, and then just butt fuse in a, a reducing T. Um, some places will allow for a mechanical saddle right. uh, to be strapped on uh, to the pipe. Really, really comes down to what size you can do. Uh, sidewall fusion, you can't do size on size. So uh, with, with that, you'd have to be at least one pipe size smaller uh, for any of the uh, sidewall branch saddles. Uh, and uh, follow an industry standard that addresses hydro testing, Gary. Uh, PPI TN46. Is it? Does hydro testing? Timmy's gonna, and then 2164 on uh, ASTM, I believe. You are finally geez, learning. Geez, it's only taken me 10 That's years. That's fantastic, so, yeah. man. I'm proud. Thank, thank you very yeah. much. Enrique, so thanks for teeing me up with that softball. <laughs> I just sent somebody that email yesterday. So uh, let's pull up in that, that, uh, uh, that presentation here. We'll bring this thing home. Really, really appreciate everybody's great questions. I want to leave everybody uh, basically with who is ISCO. We are an HDPE solutions uh, specialist here in the United States, Canada, and on projects across the globe. Uh, we offer competitive, low-cost uh, material supply uh, alongside industry-leading technical support, uh, the nation's largest and most robust capabilities of fabrication and fittings uh, production, as well as probably the largest fleet of fusion equipment and technicians in the country. The bottom line, if you are working on an HDPE project, you should be working with us because we have, I think, probably the most amount of combined experience, uh, industry experience on this topic. So uh, I, I really hope you'll come and reach out to your uh, ISCO sales rep. You can find them on isco-pipe.com uh, or get in touch with us. Um, and that's what I got. Please connect with us on social media, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. Heather, I'm still waiting for TikTok. But, uh, How come that's not an X over there? I don't know, Gary. The, the I, I, I heard yeah. about that, but I don't have any of these, to be honest <laughs> with you. And we also have a great podcast, Gary. It's been fun to listen oh. to. Sean's doing a killer job oh, with that. Awesome. Uh, if, you're, if you're driving in um, and would like to connect with us, please go ahead uh, and, and listen to the podcast. Last but certainly not least, I'm not sure if we've got a slide showing this, but CEUs, they are available. Give us some time. Um, the website is isco-pipe.com slash CEU, um, I believe is, is the correct website. Um, that's, again, isco-pipe.com slash CEU. Uh, and fill out that request form. We will get to you as soon as we can. We've got literally hundreds yes. asking. So um, we you know, really appreciate you being here. We'll get to you as soon as we can. Gary, that was a good one, man. Man, always fun, Will. Thanks for joining great us to be today. With you. Yeah, Thanks for everybody here in the PCUSA studio. You guys yeah. did a killer job. Um, and we really appreciate all the audience participation uh, for this episode of uh, ISCO Insights. Uh, we hope you guys are staying safe out there. And we'll hope you'll join us again on another episode of ISCO Insights. In the meantime, stay safe and happy fusing. We'll see you later.